Hi, my name is Faisal Qureshi. In today's retrospective, I talk with Fahim Jafar, Manager Portfolio Operations at Revenue New South Wales. We talk all things project management, his journey into project management, his transition into PMO, and also his hobby of teaching project management through his private practice and also at university. Hope you enjoy. So thank you so much. Uh, we have Fahim Jafar with us uh, today. Um, um, who is currently working with New South Wales Revenue, uh, formerly used to work at uh, MasterCard. Um, you're working in, in the PMO space. Um, so I guess let's start with a, a bit of a background or a bit of a history, maybe, you know, going back five, 10 years, and then we'll, we'll see where we go. Okay, well, thank you very much, Faisal, for inviting me. Really appreciate that. Um, yeah, you're right. So I, at the moment, I am with Department of Customer Services, um, and within the Department of Customer Services, there are multiple agencies. Revenue New South Wales is one of them, and I am basically the portfolio manager for Revenue Digital IT. So, you know, PMO portfolio within within the IT environment. Um, I've been in the industry for almost 27 years. Shows my age now. Uh, and uh, you, don't, you don't look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can you can cut this if you don't want that. So, uh, I'm happy. Uh, I know I do get that quite often. Um, but yeah, so I've been um, I've been lucky enough to work with um, a pretty good organization uh, since the start of my career way back. You know, 27 years. I worked with organizations like NCR, uh, you know, um, IBM, uh, HP, um, and Mastercard, Optus. Quite a few I've worked in, and then all these organizations over a period of time, I learned a lot from from everywhere. Um, MasterCard was a good experience for me at a regional level. So I had the PMO at the MasterCard. Um, and then I did a bit of a consulting. Um, you know, I've got my own small consulting company, Propec Consulting, training and consulting. I did that uh, for Essential Energy. So yeah, it's been a it's been a long journey, but it's been an absolutely very rewarding and satisfying journey. So, Excellent. So what I, I want to touch on the on the training part, but that but it will come back. To sure. towards the end um and um just a quick question so what i'll do is let's talk about um how you maybe got into project management um and then your journey into doing say you know the, the portfolio and the pmo and mm -hmm. then we'll go into you know, like you know how you got into or why you're doing the, the whole training side of things right so um so so your experience is you've, you've been in the industry 24 20, 27 years um and so how much of that is involved in project management I think it's it's a very good question. Let me let me give you a bit of a history of it, how I got into project management because that's that's a very interesting thing. Um, I I'm by uh, I started as a hardware engineer with NCR. So and you know back in those days, hardware engineer was a was a big thing. So I did my electronics engineering from the university. I was a fresh graduate, applied for a role, got an interview. Uh, I think it was my second or third. Uh, application that I sent through, and in those days we used to send and write an application and send it to. There was no email, um, and um, got an interview, got selected, and I started as a hardware engineer. I used to fix ATMs, um, you know, automated teller machines. So this is how I started. Um, but over a period of time, you know, over, over two three years, I realized that you know probably hardware is coming up to, you know, miniaturization was happening. So I started look getting into a bit of a software understanding, you know, operating system, Unix, and a few other operating system. Um, luckily for me, I worked in an organization that was, you know, you know that helped me grow uh, and um, that helped me grow in in my field. And you know, uh, my manager supported me a lot in my aspiration. So I got into uh, they used it. Uh, they, they used to have a, a role called systems engineer, so somebody who would look after both hardware and operating system and so on and so forth. And this is where I started getting into bit of doing a little bit projects. Um, but in 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 late 1990s, around 1999, 2000, I happened to have an opportunity with work with uh, NCR. They were rolling out. Uh, new software within within gulf i was at you know middle east i was working at middle east at that time and i worked on that and i enjoyed it um and i think project management uh, i didn't know at that time what project management uh, is or was um but i'm by nature is very i'm very organized and a very methodical person i'm known for it within my among my friend circle as well and i think it just came naturally to me and 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 like they say, the rest is history. So you can say probably 
21, 22 years now. 20 years, okay, okay. And so so that's actually a really interesting point that um, your personality fits uh, the the PM role, right? So, and a lot of times we've, I've seen, especially in my case, I guess, is you try to maybe go into an area that you think is might, might be good, but then you realize, uh, my personality doesn't really match, you know, it's not my temperament, et cetera, right? So just on that, apart from being organized, what else is what else uh, attracts you to, to the PM role and to the PM work? Is there anything else other than that? I mean, I know, you know, being organized is one thing, but what else is there? I think it's important whenever doing, if you're doing a job, um, if it, if, if it aligns with your personality, if it's something that suits your personality, um, I think by nature, we, we as a human, we excel. Mm. And um, you, can, you can say that I, it was just by coincidence I went into project management. Um, um, I did a bit of a study at that time. I had a very good mentor, somebody who guided me on that and said, oh, do this and look into this. And so I think it's good to have that kind of a mentorship. But for project management, one of the key things is to be able to work with people you know i always say projects are delivered by the people for the people mm. right um, and if you're not able to work with people um, and people are difficult to work with uh, we all are different you know diverse culture different background um brothers experiences under the same roof are not yeah. same, right? yeah. so i think that kind of i think i that kind of i've got to probably um, have a good grasp of how to work with people. Not that I'm always very good, not that I ha- haven't had my share of dealing with difficult people, but I think that's what gets you. That's uh, and that's what connects with me. Um, I'm pretty easygoing, um, I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think that's the key with the project management. You need to be able to connect with good people and talk to mm. them and communicate with them. And, mm. and if you have these two couple of things, um, yeah, yeah. That makes you work. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. So, um, in in the in the previous uh, discussion that I had with with Meg last time, and we mentioned, I think we came across, we mentioned the similar thing um, that the success of projects, and especially even as a BA, like stakeholder management and stakeholder engagement is is probably the number one uh, quality that you need, or the not just quality, but one thing you need to focus on for it to be successful, right? Um, in so in terms of projects, so people is one thing. Um, have you found that the type of people it it differs depending on the levels or differs between say industries? I mean, have you yeah? What's what's your what's your opinion on that one? Uh, what do you mean? So you mean um, the dealing with the people in different industries or is that? Yes, yeah, so it's, it's a probably probably a two prong question. One is so in my in my background, I found that. People, depending on which industry you work in, so I come from a telco background. So in telco, they have a certain way of working. And then now working in financial services, it's it's different again. And then similarly, depending on the level of the type of people that you're working with, whether it's, you know, C's or senior leadership down to people in operations, you need to have a different tack to get their engagement, to get their buy-in. I'm assuming it's, you know, you, you've had similar experiences. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, when you're doing a project, I, I think um, one thing um, when, one thing we need to understand is um, project is not simple. In fact, uh, when I teach project management to to uh, you know people who are trying to get into project, I always say that you have to consider three things before you really think about whether you want to do a project management or not. Number one, be able to work with people and be able to communicate. If you're not able to communicate, no matter what level you are, if you're intimidating by in, intimidated by a C-level person, mm. and you need to give a status update, and you're saying, oh, you know what, oh, I don't, I'm gonna hide this, and that. that's not project management. So you need to be able to have the confidence to communicate. Uh, the second thing is be able to the ability to nicely say no. It's a very important thing in project management. Mm. You know, people come to or project manager, you know, tap on the shoulder and you know, I want you to get, get this done. I want you to do this or, you know, this is what we want to do. As a project manager, it's your role to assess what the request is and be able to say, oh, you know what, Russell, I don't think so. Yeah, it's a good idea, but it's probably not the best for this project. So, you know, and people don't like to hear no, right? Especially mm. since so, yeah. um, and the third one is project management is very stressful. You need to be yeah. able to manage stress, right? Yeah. People, management is very stressful, whether we like it or not. And mm. that's what it is. So 
keep these things if is these three characteristics of a project manager and you think about um, in an, any organization whether you have telco and IT or you know payment industry financials people have different responses to project requests right so you need mm -hmm. to be able to tailor your response and adapt yourself and you know adopt the environment that you are in mm -hmm. um, yeah. one thing I have to say that and you know we're a period of you know probably as I uh, grew and mature in this uh, field, I realized that if you are able to articulate what the problem is and what the issue is, I found C, C managers, you know, C-level uh, stakeholders pretty understanding um, because they, they need to run the business as well, right? And then I've been mm -hmm. dealing with C-level for almost eight, nine years now. Mm -hmm. um, and people are smart when they're at C-level, right? Yeah. So they understand, right? Um, so I think that's that's the thing. Um, just don't be intimidated by it, uh, by by your stakeholders, but work with them. So um, that's all I can say um, when it comes to this. So I mean, that's a very good point. Just I, I know you mentioned a lot of things, so I'm just going to go one by one on one. On, so especially when you talk about not being intimidated or you know dealing with stress, um, saying no, and all that. Um, does do you find that it comes with you get better with practice? Or is it something that you have to have, or you know how you say how they say you need to have thick skin? Is yeah. that something that you develop, or or you know what 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 do you what's your opinion on that? You absolutely learn learn to manage these three skills over a period of time. Um, as you do projects, you know, and especially what helps is if you're doing projects in different industry. I've been lucky enough to do projects and, and I deliver projects in IT in, in telco. Um, uh, even a public service. Um, so you learn these skills. You learn to, you know, as with period of time, as you deliver project, you mature in those skills. You're absolutely right, right? So we pick up these things. Um, it also, what happens is over a period of time, as you deliver, deliver more, more projects, as you work with people, you tend to uh, intentionally or unintentionally um, uh, establish your own rapport as you within the industry. People um, you know, you may not realize it, but when you do a good project, if you do a very important project, people tend to refer you as, oh, somebody, you know, he did that project, you know, he did the deliver that back, you know, because people who work with you. So I think you're absolutely right. You learn these skills, you, and th there's no end to it. I have to say that there's no, it's an, it's a skill that you have to keep um, working on, evolving as you and, go along. And, and tuning and tweaking. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, you know, if I look back at my career, how I deal with, uh, work with C-level uh, stakeholders or even my peers, I think I was totally different about 10 years back. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, totally different. Um, um, so I think, yeah, you, you learn these skills over a period of time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, excellent. So just another thing that you mentioned earlier as well is that you had a great mentor. Right. Um, so I think it, just just from my experience, again, I think mentors are hard to find or rather if you're looking and I think they can be hard to find. And I think those people who who naturally come up, you know, who randomly come across them either through, you know, their current work or whatever, I think I consider to be very lucky. So can you maybe give tell me tell us a bit about, you know, the mentor that you mentioned? I mean, what was it that they what you know, what did they give tell you or, or you know? Um, it's funny you said that because I never looked for a mentor. I don't think that anybody really looked for a mentor. Mm -hmm. But over a period of time, as you work out, you and then this is what happened with me. I connected with someone pretty much wherever I went. I ended up connecting with someone in a way that I learned from that person. And I said, okay, I, I need to work with you. So, you know, at the start of my career, um, I was a good NCR. Um, I had a very uh, um, God bless him, he passed away. Uh, General Manager Badrul Islam, NCR Pakistan Badrul Islam. Wonderful gem of a person. Um, and I was fresh from the graduate. And he, he kind of guided me. You know, you, mentor, you don't need... For me, mentorship is not that I'm going to spend, you know, two hours with you or five mm. hours with you every week. It's, it's what you can learn from from that person, right? And yep, what yep. then. So I think that's... A, um, went to IBM. I, I, I happened to work with absolutely wonderful people. I learned from them. Um, I was adopters. Uh, one of my uh, manager, uh, yeah, he's Australia based, Ibrahim Dani. I still call him boss. Um, I learned, uh, you know, you, you, this, this, you build these relationships. Yeah. There's no hard and fast rule how you how you find a mentor. It's just you you connect with someone, you learn through them, 
Um, and I, I also think, and that's probably, you may find strange, I think when you are in a mentor-mentee relationship, you are also passing on information. You're also passing on some skills to your mentor. People may not realize that. Um, and I'm a, I'm a big believer on that. I I, know, I don't think so. it's it's a one-way traffic. I think it's a two-way traffic. It's, it's, it's always a two-way. Yep. It's, it's always a two-way. So pe- we all learn from each other, right? So mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you know, there's a, I think about 10, 20 years back at, um, I don't remember the organization, they started this concept of reverse shadowing where C or senior stakeholders would shadow with a new uh, intern or new uh, hiring in the organization so that they can learn the new skills that the new interns are. I think about late 90s. Ah, okay. Okay. So because I think just, just on mentorship, I mean, a, a very traditional way of thinking about mentors is, okay, you have someone, you know, one or two people that tend to guide you all throughout your, your career, right? You know, when, when you're starting young and you may change a mentor, you know, if you become like a mid to senior level manager or whatever, then it's someone else. But, um, you you make a very good point that mentor can essentially be anyone that you learn lessons from, right? And it's it's always that back and forth. So just on that, if I do a slight tangent to to go on to say networking, because I think the way you the way you answer that it sounded like um, you're also very proactive in the way you network with people. Mm-hmm. Would you would you agree with that? Uh, I think so. I think so. Um, I'm definitely not an introvert, um, so I will. F- I will call myself somewhere towards an extra word. So I'm never shy to break a conversation in a in a meeting, but I'm also uh, not somebody who would just go out on for drinks for networking or something. I'm just mm-hmm. not that kind of a person. Uh, but yeah, I think I think I'm I connect, try to connect with people. Um, yeah, pretty pretty yep. easily. Yeah, yeah. And yep. and so just just on that again. So the the diff- so if we go back to the whole personality thing, right? So you mentioned just now about being an extrovert. Um, so I, I consider myself to be an introvert. <laughs> so um, is there is there a certain type that you feel fits more well into the PM role, or have you seen both working well in in that in that space? Uh, no, I, I have. In fact, I have seen uh, both working in in PM space, um, and I I don't think so. I can say that you know PM is only for extrovert or solely introvert. If you, if there are a lot of uh, introverts uh, I've worked in who were, who were able to communicate the right time in the right way, um, and absolutely ended up being a you know gem of a project manager. And um, so I don't think so that the project management profession is for any particular personality type, but it is definitely for someone who has got the skills to communicate and work with the people. So yeah, yeah, and um. And so when 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 we talk about um, just again going back to people management, so when you define, say for example, general management, general management just being like you know it's it's a BAU that you know you're looking after either operations or people, and it's just continuing, right? And whereas project management tends to have a well, it does, it has a definite deadline. Does mm-hmm. does that differ? Do you do you see in your experience does does managing people for a project, and when a project finishes, does the do they do people change, or do you find that the interactions and the relationships they change because the project is now finished, or do they tend to become more relaxed? Or mm. uh, I think I think it goes um, can go either way. Um, I, I do tend to think, and this is something that I have I think I've learned over a period of time. I'm still trying to uh, you know brush up my skills when it comes to. Um, I try to stay away from the word project manager as much as I can. Okay. Um, I I think um, the concept and um, we we can give uh, you know credit to Agile 20 years back what they were the concept of servant leadership. And I think um, as a project leader, you need to be able to work with your team and make them um, work with you and you know realize how you do it. So I think there's absolutely a big difference between the general management. Um, mm. And project management or project leadership. Um, what I have seen, and you know, um, during project delivery, you build a lot of relationship during project delivery. You talk to your suppliers, you talk to your contract, uh, you, you know, your team members. You talk to see, 
and people relate you the way you have treated them throughout the project. Like I said, project is a very mm. stressful, right? Mm. If you are stressed as a project manager or a project leader, and you lose your cool, and you know, I, I, I had my own share of the green doing things when I was going through this whole process, and you, everybody goes through it, and I would say that, um, you, you tend to lose faith and trust of the people. But if you keep your calm, if you guide them, and I think that that's what really helps. So I would say absolutely the the relationship that you build um, during the project, they tend to. I'm still in contact with people who I've worked with 20 years back. Hmm. Just just because you know when you spend some stressful time together, you know, yeah. spending nights rolling out IT, and I started with IT project management, you know. So I think um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, but I have to warn one thing. I have to warn you about something, you know, and I, I must say always, um, the life of a project manager can change in a split second. You have to understand that if everything is going well, you're probably the, you know, the love of everyone, you know, that's a project manager. But if something goes wrong and that's what not expected, the fall is pretty steep, <laughs> pretty quick. <laughs> so you think and and it's not just for the for the project for the project leader or project manager. I think it affects the entire project team, right? Because um, it's but not. The project I mean, manager has to take the sorry. To correct. The, no, no, you're absolutely right. The PM yeah. is responsible for you know is ultimately accountable, but mm. I think at the same time, um, I, in, I've seen in my experience where the team was also can sometimes be blasted for look, you know, why did you do this and this and this, or you know, or something was missed or something was not delivered correctly. And so it's it's very interesting that um, that even though and I, and I just want to do again another tangent when we when we look at the traditional material for learning about project management, I don't think there is enough emphasis given on the people aspect. Mm. It's all it's all about the technical nuances of you know oh you need to do you know the business case and whatnot you know and make sure your resources are are considered your costs are considered. But then, but the people aspect is, is I think, it's something that is still a bit of a. Yeah. You you can never know until you actually go in and know the people, right? So, so the question I want to ask, right, is, <laughs> and I, I'm gonna apologize. Yes, when you as, as a, when you're contracting, for example, as a PM, you are thrown into, for example, when you get hired for a new company or new role, you're just thrown in and go, okay, go start. Here's your project. You need to run it. But then the relationships aren't often there, right? So have you found, for example, a, a benefit where you've been in a company, say, you know, six months or 12 months or, or even more versus someone you've just been thrown in and then you have to start a large program or, or pro project? Yeah. Now, you're, I think, uh, number one, to agree with you, you're absolutely right. A uh, lot of education on the project management, and I teach at two of the university. I teach a project management at the University of Sydney and at Torrance University. Um, the focus is on technical project management. Uh, there is a bit of a focus on um, this, this. They touch on people management, stakeholder management. That that's only up to kind of a technical view of stakeholder management. You know, you do these stakeholder assessments, you do these things. Right? Uh, they don't teach you how to work with the stakeholder, and I think that's a big gap in our academia when it comes to project management. So to agree to that. The the second thing is um, when you talked about you know you, when you're coming new in an organization or coming new to a project versus uh, somebody uh, somewhere you've already worked absolutely makes a difference, right? Um, and that's one of the reasons of project ma management is um, whenever you're starting a new project, go and have a look at the historical data and lesson learned. Don't try to reinvent a wheel. So if you have worked with somebody already, so it's easy for you for, to continue with that relationship, right? And mm -hmm. projects are all unique. One of the things that, uh, um, you know, I just wanted to touch on, you mentioned about management and general management, project management. In project, you're always developing a unique product. You're doing something different. So you don't know, all right? General management, you're doing something on a day-to-day -day basis. It's, you know, business as usual, right? Mm -hmm. Regular operation. So you know what's going to happen. You know, if you say yes now, this is what, uh, you know, people tend to have flow, flow charts and process flows for general management <laughs> things, you know, in operation. Because you can't have that in project management. When you're doing a project, um, you never know what's going to happen. So I think that's the. If you work with people who uh, work with people who have you delivered a successful project, or 
of course you're going to have fun but if you have worked with the, if you run into the same people who were part of the project where you struggle you're going to have the same problem and i've been i've been on on the both sides of the spectrum to be very honest yep agreed yeah you know that that that's that's the right. but i think that's that's what takes me that's that's what um um motivates me um i have to say that working with you know trying new thing um and i'm probably not someone who like to stay and do one thing over and over again i just i think I, I, as a project manager and that's what i'm saying that's why i think it aligns with my personality i want to make sure that you know something keeps happening right yeah. um, my wife used to have a complaint that i can't even sleep over the weekend i get up early and go out and do in my garden so 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 it just shows that you know, maybe uh, so again and and so that's uh, and um so i guess you know that's just a personality thing right so yeah. obviously you, you can't change yourself as to who you are but you, you yeah. try to make it fit into into the work that you do um talking about um you mentioned agile in 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 a, in a previous response um what impact has agile had in your opinion on 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 pm work yeah i think um significant when it was introduced about 20 years back 21 years back uh, i don't think a lot of people uh, realized uh, how much it's going to have it but i think over a period of time agile itself has evolved now there are so many flavors of agile right you know safe agile xp discipline agile and so on and so forth right um i don't think the original agile is there except for the manifesto and the the core principle uh, the core values um but more than project management agile has impacted the industries across across the globe um mm. so you know we talk about business agility now when uh, that i think that has a major much bigger impact of agile um making people realize that you know um you know there are faster way to do these these things right and i have to say i was an agile skeptic for a very long time it's only last 5 7 years that i they said yeah okay that makes sense and to an extent that i've started teaching it now but 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 yeah i was like i was really sold to agile for a very long time um, and i think there was a reason for that because um and it's true even today you just cannot apply agile everywhere mm-hmm. like i'll very give you example if you have um to answer your question in how we agile impacts if you're doing a construction or a manufacturing agile won't work right it's just not so agile doesn't work with metal where the metal is involved or concrete is involved but if you're doing a software development you're yeah and that, you know that kind of product development yes that works um it has significantly improved our product development uh at one end of the spectrum the agile approaches and you know over a period of agile has matured uh, but on the other hand uh, i think it has confused people also how to do the work you know mm-hmm. you know what to do you know every organization you ask oh we want you to go agile okay what are you doing i'm doing daily standard okay what else oh that's agile it's right. it's pretty common seriously i i mean it when i say it's very common right that's right and then, so i think that that is what has happened it has people don't understand but it has especially in last 5 7 years it's become a buzzword um everybody wants to become do a business agility and become agile so i mean yeah so i've been hearing agile since for the last you know five seven years right and i um you mentioned that um you were an agile skeptic before and and now now not so much is there is there any anything particular about it that that works in your opinion i mean what's what is it about it oh sorry what changed your mind yeah i i, I think i think uh, there are some good thing and especially i like the way the agile has now started to look into the lean approach you know cons- uh, merging with the lean uh, lean approach which is that's something that really um interests me and i think that is a workable thing and that can be uh, that approach can be taken in any industry for that matter uh, it's not uh, and i'm i'm now by the way i'm now talking from project management office point of view pmo point of view because you can take a lean approach uh, in project management and then you can define lean governance you can help uh, reduce waste and that can apply right mm. but the reason i was agile skeptic was everybody was pushing agile oh we have to go into agile without under- excuse me without understanding what really agile means right yeah. i can still tell you and you can quote me on that you ask you get 10 agile project managers in a room and ask them about the core values the four core values and ask them to explain what they think about you'll get 10 different answers mm-hmm. people 
People think there's no planning in Agile. That's a very wrong perception. Agile mm. believes in planning. It's just that planning duration is short term, not the long term. Mm. So all those core project management principles are there. It's just a different way of looking at it. Mm. And that's one of the reason is mm. Agile is not defined in a very... It is kind of prescriptive, but it's not really prescriptive at all. It's, it's, it's just a framework, right? I mean, it's, that's what it is. I would yeah. say it's an approach. It's not even a framework because anybody right. can just go and just go and do whatever you want to do. Take these four principles um, or look at the 12 manifest, uh, uh, four core values and uh, 12 principles and, okay, yeah, whatever suits you. Mm. Um, so I think that's, uh, it certainly has benefit in product development, software development, um, but probably, and now everything re involves some sort of product development, wherever you go. You know, even if you're manufacturing an aircraft, there's a bit of a product development in there as well. So. Mm. So, do you, would you would you so coming from so I'm assuming you know coming from a traditional waterfall uh, you know project management understanding, and now working you know with this whole agile which is new, would you would you say that people who who have had experience working in waterfall and now where they see agile they can actually better mix and match um, the two versus someone who is now someone who hasn't worked in waterfall at all and they just do purely agile. Do you see a difference there? I mean, have you come across that at all? Yeah, big difference. I, I've come across I've come across this a lot, in fact. Um, people who have no experience of waterfall have no idea how other industries do the work except where they have done their job. And, mm -hmm. and this is and I keep coming, uh, keep running into this. Uh, oh, we have to do this. You know, you know, agile. This is agile. Well, hang in a second. Well, there are other things that. Are. So I think. And that I might be a little bit biased to it, too, because I've come from a waterfall background. Um, People who have done the waterfall uh, or you know uh, predictive approach, they yes it took them bit it it can take them a time to adjust, but they bring a bring the knowledge of another approach as well. And I think they once they are sold in my example once they are sold to agile approach, they can make much bigger difference in the industry and make it more successful than people who are just agile. It's just like um. It's just like the new generation, they have no idea what manual gears is in car. Mm. They're all, everybody's automatic gear, right? So you need to learn different technology and approach. I think that's that's what I would say. But again, things are changing. Um, to answer your question, absolutely. The big difference, um, people who have just done Agile. Yeah. And um, you mentioned, just going on to the topic of planning, you mentioned planning at the start where uh, waterfall is ten tends to be more thorough planning where you know long term uh to understand you know what's what we need to do etc right and whereas agile is, is a little is, is a shorter time period with with projects um the delivery of a project is technically time bound right it's either six months 12 months whatever have you found that um when we talk when we look at the planning and then the scope of what needs to be delivered does that have you seen that in agile it it tends to change quite often yeah. as compared to. Yeah, that's right. But that's that's the whole idea of the agile, right? So agile is not not so so you know traditional project management. You have those triple uh, triple constraints. You know, iron triangle, scope, budget, and cost. Um, budget and cost has to um, uh, sorry, uh, schedule and cost has to yeah you know mm. be constant if you're changing. Um, scope or, you know, you have to manage these three, right? If one is changing, you have to manage the other two. In in Agile, um, in, in Agile, and that's the big report, scope, the only thing that is probably somewhat uh, uh, restrictive is the time bound, right? Sprints, two weeks, right? But mm -hmm. the scope and budget is not. In Agile, you cannot put your hand on and say, uh, you cannot uh, say, you know, put your hand on it. This is the scope of the work and this is the budget of the work. That's not how Agile works. Agile does say, yeah, within two weeks, we'll see what we deliver. Mm. I'm just giving you an example, you know, mm. spring, two mm -hmm. weeks or one week, right? Mm. Um, or within, you know, one release, we will do this. So I think there's a big, big shift. There's a big shift in how the traditional approach are, and it is very difficult. And because of this, Agile is not successful most of the time is because our organizational hierarchy, uh, Agile doesn't, work in a hierarchical environment. Mm. You have to have, uh, you know, the whole concept of self-organizing is exactly flat structure. So, mm. um, and that's why in Agile, there's no project manager. That's a that's a big difference between Agile and, and project manager. 
And now that is something different. Now we have this agile project management as well coming up. Mm. Agile has no project manager role. <laughs> so uh, I think over a period of time, Agile is evolving. Um, I, a lot of people don't know there was no concept of BA role in Agile when Agile was first introduced. BA was introduced, I think, you now seven, eight years back. Um, mm. Product manager or product owner. So yes. Um, oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, so... So, I mean, I think in in agile, it's um it's it's the product owner which is which takes most of the responsibility in terms yeah. of what needs to be done, right? So, so the reason why I ask that question, right, is, um, I know, for example, in sprints, you know, you do your sprint planning, whatever, and say whatever number of user stories that we're trying to deliver is, uh, you know, it's not met, or you know, something needs to flow onto the next cycle. But if something, do, do you find that, for example, things if they if they tend to, if they keep getting delayed or being pushed over into the next sprint, then ultimately you get to a point where you realize, oh, we don't have enough time. You know, our girl live date is X. You know, we need to do to do something. We either push back our date or we either add more resources or we, you know, we, we de-scope. Mm. Is, is that fair? Yeah. So I think what you're explaining me is in a hybrid environment. Okay. So I'll tell you why. That's, and yeah. I, and I'm a big believer in hybrid environment, right? I'll tell okay. you very interesting. Um, because I think uh, traditional approach is here to stay, at least in my lifetime. I don't think it's going to go away, right, across the world. Uh, um, and agile is picking up. There are a lot of favor coming up. You know, discipline agile is one of the, if, if you haven't read about discipline, please do that. Uh, attend my course, uh, but uh, <laughs> um, but that's another thing. Um, you know, safe agile is there. Uh, agile actually says there's no limit to time on. We're going to do an MVP, you know, minimum viable product. And if that MVP is somebody, you know, if you get an MVP, is the concept of MVP is that you test the customer uh, response to whatever you're doing. You know, two weeks or four weeks, whatever you want to do. Um, and if you get a good response, then you're going to go and build that product without any, any scope, definite scope and budget. And that's a big difference, right? Oh, okay. Uh, that's, that's the big difference. Whereas in traditional project management, um, you come, you build something. Um, and then towards the end, you give it to the customer and customer say, oh, you know what? That's not what I asked for. And I'm talking about product development, right? Mm -hmm. um, but that's, that's the main difference between Agile. So in Agile, the point Agile is saying that any at any given time during your product development or your, you know, maybe 10 sprint or third release or whatever, you decide this product is no more viable and it's not giving benefit to the customer. So the whole concept of Agile is customer satisfaction. If the customer is not satisfied, stop there. Don't try to spend more effort and time just because you think you need to complete it. If your customer is saying, that's it, don't need any more, you know, or we don't want to stop. Does that happen though? How, how often does that happen? Uh, it it does happen. Um, I don't know. Um, listen, um, it really depends on the organization as well. So um, I think the way, and this is where the challenge is, um, I still have to work in a very fully agile organization. I don't think so. I have, I at least, I haven't had the chance to work in an organization which I can say, hand on my heart, yeah, that's an agile organization. Mm -hmm. uh, the closest I was, uh, I worked in an, um, where the delivery was safe, agile, and uh, business was trying to become an agile, uh, and I set, up a hybrid, I set up a hybrid PM over there to facilitate the governance. Uh, but I think that's a problem because agile is, we have to understand agile is really very IT-centric. Mm. It is very IT centric, right? Um, so if you are in a construction or manufacturing industry, their IT company, their IT products delivers maybe agile delivery, but you, know, you you can't build a bridge using an agile approach. You just cannot, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I think that's that's what the challenge is. Yeah, and, and I think especially you know working in IT, I'm only looking at project management from a from that IT uh, perspective, right? IP IT viewpoint. So. Um, it's, and it's it's fascinating that um, well it's in in terms of what you just said and also in in my own experience that the hybrid seems to be the best compromise between the two in terms of what you're trying to deliver uh, versus you know going either one way or the other. Can I ask you one question? So in terms of coming coming back to planning, right? Um, working in a in a hype in a in hybrid projects in the past, 
I think I found that um, the the best planning that was done was using, for example, you know, a schedule, right? You Microsoft Project, you, you schedule it out, and then you somehow try to retrospectively apply some of that into your into your sprint planning. Because if you try to do it the other way, where if you have a large, you know, your tribes and what's it called, tribes and whatever, squads, they, yeah. yeah, squads and tribes. It's, I just yeah. hate these terms. <laughs> they come together, you know, you can you know, you try to do sprint planning. It just becomes so hard because it 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 feels like a lot of those discussions are purely discovery based, right? You're trying to discover, oh, okay, so you're doing this. That means, oh, I need to think about that. But then if I'm doing this, then oh, you need to think about this, right? Whereas if you have a central MPP, it tends, I think, it helps to guide the discussions. I don't know. That's just mm -hmm. so that's been my observation. Would, would do you agree with that or? Oh. Yes and no. Listen, and this is where it's very hard. This is where I'm. I don't think that there is any any um, pure agile organization. Maybe there are. I haven't come across mm. because you you have to have and you know agile has to be top down. It it cannot be bottom up, right? Like um, what, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? So organization has to let you do your work. So in agile, yeah. the whole concept in agile is self uh, organizing team. So, so, so you mean so you mean bottom up, right? Bottom up. Uh, so, sorry, bottom up. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, wait on. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Bottom up. It has to be bottom. It can't be top down, right? Yeah. Um, teams have to be self-organizing, right? Um, and that's the concept where hierarchical organization find it very difficult. Now, IT companies, a lot of IT areas, even if you pick any bank, you know, a lot of big banks in Australia and across the globe, the their one or two areas may be agile. But the whole bank is not, or whole financial institute is not. Similarly, an organization where they have that, so they are very successfully done um, in one area, but the other area is probably still struggling with the agile concept. So I think it it is a learning. It's gonna it's gonna take long time, um, just because it it had the hierarchical structure had. So I'll give you an example. So one of the key things, and you know, in um, in agile uh, these days is, and especially at you know, lean portfolio, which is safe concept as well. You know, um, investment funding, you know, has to be, you know, uh, has to be, you know, you you get a certain amount of money, and then you um, at a portfolio level, you decide how you're going to spread the money, right? Um, it's just not possible in all the organization, right? Um, because every organization has a so somebody has to own the money. You can't just say nobody owns this money. It's for everyone, and you as a team decide who you want to give this money to, which projects mm -hmm. needs to go. I mm -hmm. think that that it's going to take time. The whole mindset. That's why um, agile talks about agile mind shift and mindset mm -hmm. shift rather than just doing the work. Um, it's certainly a way to do things. It's certainly a way to do things, especially in IT. Um, yeah, but yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure if it can be successfully successfully implemented in other industries yep. where you know we okay. deal with manufacturing. Yep. It's going to be. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. It's probably take a long time. Yeah, maybe maybe it needs to evolve a bit more until it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. It's it's evolving. It's evolving, right? It's already yeah. agile is evolving, and I think that's the that's the beauty of uh, project management in uh, as well. And you know, we like I said, why is it evolving? Because people like me and you are giving feedback. You know, this works, this doesn't work. So mm -hmm. key feedback is a very uh, key thing in project management, which is a very big thing in agile. As that you have to kind of self reflect and say, okay, yeah, you know what, this works, this doesn't work. So let's make it better. Yep. So I think that's that's the key thing. Oh, excellent. So let, let's move on to um, your the the PMO or portfolio <laughs> side, right? So you mentioned that um, you've been working in, in in the PMO space or, or in portfolio management. So can you maybe give us a definition of what that is and how that differs from you know project leadership or project management? Oh, difficult question. Um, um, project management office or PMO space is um, kind of a as an entity within an organization that helps deliver the projects, right? Not traditional definition would be provide governance structure. And I try to stay away from the word governance because it kind of say, I'm the policeman, I'm gonna tell you how to do it. And I, I try to tend to stay away from that. I said, it's kind of your uh, project manager's uh, buddy in helping deliver that project, uh, setting up the framework, um, giving the tools to help deliver the project. Um, and I think that's that's the be better way of explaining the project management. Now, 
the PMO is actually a conduit between the project delivery and the business strategy, organizational strategy. So um, if organization hierarchy or execs needs to know where what's happening with the project, and I'm not talking about one project, we're talking about, you know, you know, 10, 1500 project across the organization or, or your division. Um, PMO's role is to make sure that they have up-to-date status and then, you know, the true status of those projects. Not the watermelon status. I don't know if you're familiar with the watermelon status. That project is red inside and oh. green from outside. <laughs> <laughs> so not the watermelon status. So okay. it's project management. PMO's role is to make sure that they assess, you know, whether the project is not a watermelon project and it it is scrolling out. Because you know, one of the things that we find in in project management is project managers tend to um, are very biased about showing the project as green rather than red. And as a PMO manager, if I see a project green for a very long time, maybe two, three months, and so there's something seriously wrong, right? What's going on? You cannot be green, right? <laughs> there's something, either it's amber or it's red or something. So I think yeah. um, that's that's the role of the PMO, uh, provide the governance structure, uh, basically, you know, how the framework, tools, and techniques. And the most important, uh, which is a very big thing for me and something that I'm really um, doing a bit of research on is benefits realization, which is, you know, the success of the project is not that it's delivered on time or, or within budget, it's what the value it has delivered to the customer and how is it helping organizational strategy, how is it helping organization meets its goals. So, because projects are investment, right? You're putting your investment into getting some ROI. And and is 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 the is the function of PMO or the PMO office is that typically um, applicable to large organisations only, or do you find that it's all is is ads applicable to even you know the the small or medium medium size? No, it's a very good question, Faisal. Thank you very much for asking. In fact, PMO role is uh, PMO as an entity can exist in any organisation, but um, one of the challenges with the PMO is that um, it is the role or the team is usually a management overhead. Um, so unless there is a way to make this PMO, uh, uh, you know, a revenue generating arm of, for the organization, mm. it's hard to justify if you have, you know, small in a small organization. So a big organization, they understand, you know, you have got 100 projects or you 200 projects. Uh, in small organization, you can have a small, simple flavor of the PMO, which a lot of organizations tend to use it. And, Traditionally, people tend to, when you talk about the, you know, the PMO, they say, oh, okay, uh, I'm going to get my status report. PMO is not only just getting you status report, it's just one, one of the 30 functions that PMO does, PMO. So uh, if you have a small organization, but you're doing critical business, critical projects, you know, high level dollar projects, yes, you probably need a PMO, um, but otherwise there are other ways to manage your project. Or, or you, and and so, sometimes you may just have, for, for example, one person who one person who's a PMO, and yeah. you have many, say, for example, business operations or teams that are that are running their own projects, mm-hmm. and maybe that person he or she is providing a bit of guidance as to how to run projects, even though they're not dedicated project managers, yeah. right? Yeah, right. So I think let me just explain. So when we talk about the PMO, PMO is let's say a few things that are key to PMO operation as a PMO operation. Like now PMO can be by the way, project management office, program management office, portfolio management, depending on the organizational hierarchy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say in a general project management office, so it's how benefits realizations framework, you know, how the projects, uh, whatever the value they're gonna deliver, how the organization is gonna uh, measure them and sustain them so that they can get the benefit out of uh, the investment. Resource utilization, resource management, you know, across the, the projects, are, you know, projects have a definite start and end. So you need resources across the organization to deliver it. So what's going to happen to those resources, whether you have those resource skills that you need projects delivered or not. Um, then there's a financial, financial management is another function. Um, portfolio level risk management is another function, right? You know, how, how you're going to manage. So if you're delivering a project X, uh, yeah. And by delivering the projects, you're going to organizational risk management, risk threshold may be impacted whether you should do that project or not, right? Um, you know, status reporting, uh, that's, you know, across the portfolio. So, you know, one entity mm-hmm. who knows exactly what's happening at the portfolio level or across the organization on all the projects. Mm-hmm. I think that's, these, these are the key functions. Um, and the most important is, is strategy alignment. So prioritization and selection of the project. Now, 
if if you are a senior exec and you want your business needs a project, it's the role of the PMO to say, well, you know, Faisal, yeah, it's a very good idea, but uh, probably better to wait for you know Division B because because they are doing similar work and their work will benefit you. So looking at the holistics and you know which which area to mm. prioritize, which project to prioritize. Um, I think that's that's a key function of the PMO. Okay, so the PMOs, so they're doing so in terms of strategy alignment. It's it's also serving a function like a like a check and balance uh, yeah. as well. So to your CIO or whatever or CTO. Yeah. Um, in and so when you talk about, for example, the benefits realization and and the, and, and focusing on that, right? So for example, at the start of the year. The CIO, CTOs come, you know, they come over. They say, look, you know, we want to work on these projects because we want to take our organization from from here to here. You know, it's either whether it's digitization or whatever, whatever, right? So, but um, do you find that for one thing is the because technology is changing so rapidly, that's one thing, and then the, what's the what's the key thing that you look at when in terms of the benefits and the real life? or the benefits of the outcomes, right? So has has the measurements, uh, the way you measure, has that has that changed over time? Yeah, that's a very good question. So um, yes, and I think uh, one thing to uh, to consider is benefit realization um, varies from project to project and deliverable to deliverable, right? It can be tangible and intangible. Um, you know, like intangible could be brand value. You might do a project, your organization may have a strategy to increase the, uh, brand image in the in the organization uh, uh, in the market. So they may initiate a project to do something about building uh, you know bigger brand. So that's in you know kind of a thing. Uh, or you can have a tangible you know financial benefit. You know you may do a project to gain market share. So the measurement of the benefit is totally different, and you need to work with the benefits owner uh, who's responsible for that benefit to measure and then track it. Now. That's one part of it. So, in fact, if I if I split benefit realization, it has a three components: an identification. So, what is the identification? What what benefit is the project is going to deliver? Tangible, intangible, you know, uh, measurement. Um, you know, uh, you know, once the project is doing it, execute and measure. Uh, you measure that. You know, how long will it take those benefits uh, and to deliver? And the third part, which is the most important one, is the sustainability of the benefit. Mm-hmm. If you do not have a plan to sustain that benefit, then what's the point of doing? Because that's the whole idea of it. So a lot of organizations are struggling over here. They get the project done, but they don't have a plan to sustain the benefit, right? So, mm. and the problem with benefits realization is that projects closed, done and dusted, um, project manager and team goes away. So who's going to measure the benefits? Who's going to keep track of the benefit? This is where the PMOs come in. Right. They work the benefits owner even after the project is closed to make sure the benefits are sustainable and you know, you know, based on what their forecast is. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a key one. And sorry, and um, I, I, this conversation can keep going and going. Right? <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually oh, having a very good. Uh, I'm actually learning a lot to be honest. Um, in going going from going from um, was it was it a conscious decision to go into the PMO space or was it just out of out of happenstance or accident, what was the? No, no, this was a conscious decision. So about about eleven years back, um, so I have come from a project delivery background and I've done program management. So um, I, I was at uh, basically uh, at HP and I had finished an assignment at with HU uh, in Canberra, and I came back to Sydney after an, uh, a year and a half in Canberra, um, and there was this new account that HP was. I was part of the HP uh, APJ competency, uh, project management competency, and uh, they won a contract with uh, one of the energy providers um, in Australia, and the, the team was looking for PMO manager. And uh, because I had worked in, you know, in IBM and HP, so I had full understanding of the PMO, I opted for that role. So I said I, I wanted to do that. And, and I, I must say, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, in those days, it was a governance function, a lot of governance function. Mm. Um, uh, like I said, um, you know, it 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 kind of gelled with my personality, were you know, um, and I think that's 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 all I can say. That and since then, um, I have been into PMO, um, started with a traditional governance approach, and now I'm a very firm believer believer that PMO needs to adopt and PMO needs to be flexible governors, you know, to. Uh, 
you know, to match the, you know, disruption that is happening around us. You know, we need to be very agile and responsive and PMO needs to be very responsive rather than traditional step-by-step approach. Yep. Uh, but yeah, um, it was a very conscious decision and I'm glad I made that. Oh. And and just, just on that as well. So working in, in the, in the PMO space, um, I know people who, who go into it directly without, without doing any, uh, or not, not doing too many projects work, whatever, right? So, is there are there any benefits or you know pros and cons of going straight into into the PMS space without having done yeah. PM work? There definitely. So I'll I'll answer this question in two ways, and I'm glad that you asked this question. You know, we talked about project management, teaching project management at the university level. Mm-hmm. There's no academic course for PMO. Not that I have come across in Australia or across the globe. We teach project management. We in universities they teach project management. There is a postgraduate certificate. There's a graduate certificate. There's a master's degree, but there's no project management. So PMO is is taught as a kind of a subject within within the project management degrees. Like a little thing. Yeah, it's a very little, right? And it doesn't do the just it doesn't do uh, the justice to the role that it is. It's an extremely important role now. I hope, and I'm. Um, I hope the organization, uh, academia, universities across the world recognize this and focus on developing a, a PMO-based, you know, typical PMO. And that's one of the reasons a lot of people from project management move into PMO because they keep interacting with PMO like me. And so, okay, hang on a second, this is something. And and the, if there's one thing that I want to do is probably develop a course for a PMO at the university level. If that's that's my wish, if I can. Um, you know, to teach PMO, you know, how the PMO needs to function. That's that's something you can call it my my dream. <laughs> mm. um, yep. People who have gone into PMO directly, um, they have either come from business or tech, a technical IT degree, mostly IT degree, right? Yeah. Um, and they, and, and because of my interaction, I think most of them have come from, you know, it's a, uh, you know, nice graph I need to create. There's a reporting I need to do. I, I think they they probably do not get the, the, the full gist of how the PMO needs to function. Whereas people who have come from project delivery, because they have gone through the project delivery, they can, and I'm, I could be biased because I've come from there, I think I can understand the pain of the project manager. So when mm. I, I'll give you an example. In one of the organization, when I went in as a PMO manager, there were about 45 templates for project manager, you know, multiple topics. I'm talking about, you know, risk management, issue management, all. I cut those down to 15. So uh, hang on a second. It's, it's waste of time, right? So I think that, that, that thing kind of a help because, you know, it's always good to have a bit of a background what you're doing. Um, it doesn't mean that people who have not done the delivery are not good PMO uh, candidates. Or it's just that it's a different. The people who have done delivery, they bring a different flavor and experience to it. You can relate better to the. Yeah, it's yeah. easy. Yeah, I think it, they're mm. much more practical. Let me put it that I think um, they have a much more practical view of project delivery than yeah. so. Yeah. And if you have that kind of thing, then it's easy to tailor your approach. Yeah. So. Let, let's move on to your, the, the teaching aspect, right? So you you run you run a consultancy where you are where you give trainings on 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 project management, and then you also mentioned that you t- you teach at um, at uh, you know, so Sydney uh, and, 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 and Torrance. Um, yeah. So can you tell us um, why did you want to? How did you get into into teaching and and, and why? Um, I always enjoyed teaching. To be very honest. Um, um, I've always delivered when I was um, at, um, you know, organization, you know, 10, 15 years back, you know, um, I, you know, there's an opportunity, you know, we, you needed to run webinars and I'm talking about 12 years back, 12, 13 years back, which webinars was a big thing and it was not video webinars. It was just audio, you know, you run the slides and everything. Um, and I, I did a lot of uh, trainings, you know, I ran courses, uh, you know, dropped it and I, I enjoyed it because, um, you know, one of the things that you, when you're teaching um, and you're sharing your knowledge, then you're picking up the stuff from the other person as well. So I think that, and it's just got me going. And, you know, in 2014, I set up, um, I had finished off with uh, HP and I set up uh, ProPAC Consultants, which is my training and consulting company. It's a very small company. It's not a big thing. 
Um, it's more like my hobby, <laughs> if anything else. Um, I run trainings on project management, um, you know, project management certification, discipline agile, agile. Um, and it started as a hobby. It started as a hobby. Um, okay. And one thing that you probably don't know, and in 2018, um, I at a very late age, I decided to do a PhD. So I, I joined oh, wow. University of Sydney to do PhD in project management office. So I started, um, so I spent about a couple of years there. And during that time, I had an opportunity um, to go and teach uh, to undergrad students. So I, I enjoyed that. You know, that was my first, it's 2018. Um, and since then, you know, um, I taught for about a year and then I took a break from University of Sydney um, and then had an opportunity um, I started teaching uh, project management uh, to at Torrance University uh, to postgrad students. Um, I, th oh, no. I think I enjoy it. I, I like it. I really yeah. like it. I yeah. it's kind of a uh, yeah. I, I think that's that's one of the reasons. So it just it just I, I think I enjoy it to be honest. I, I really enjoy it. Um, so it sounds like it's been a it's a just it's a natural progression of things. I that. think so. Yeah. I, I think so. Um, um, maybe I think um, I think I never planned for it. To be very honest, teaching aspect is just that I've. Um, in fact, I've, I'm probably not going to continue with University of Sydney. Hopefully, I just need to cut down a few things. I've also put a uh, kind of a put a stop to my PhD for some time. I put it on hold. So I my uh, fingers in too many pies. Uh, otherwise, yeah, you're too busy and you know. Have... Yeah, it was getting too much. Um, I still want to do. I still want to do research. I still have. I hopefully I can do it. But the age is catching up, and the time is short. <laughs> yeah. So how, how much how much have you got left to to complete that? A PhD? Oh, a lot. I, I just I did my for two years, and I was doing part time by the way. So okay. so I did it for two years, and in fact this April I I put it on hold this April. Um, mm. We'll see how we go. We'll see. I may go back. And so, and with with ProPrac, um, wh what do you have to have in place for to be a a, a trainer? I mean, is there a certain qualification you need to have, or I mean, how? Yeah. Uh, well, yes and no. So ProPrac, basically, it's I came up with this project practice consultant, ProPrac yeah. consultant. Okay. Um, but um, but the ProPrac is fine. Um. When I set it uh, set it up, so that was the time I started with PMP. Um, I was, um, in fact, I had a, a partnership one of my uh, uh, with someone US, so I started running courses for them as as partner um, as their uh, local Australian local. So I, I ran courses, um, and then because I was a PMP, um, I could do that. Uh, but then. Um, you know, I, I some somebody contacted me. They wanted to do a project planning course. I said, "Oh, okay, more than happy to do this." So I ran a one-day project planning course. You know, somebody came and said, "Oh, you know, we want to do how to set up a PMO." I said, "I said, okay, fine." So I just ran a PMO, one-day PMO course. So I, uh, over a period of time, started building my own um, your material, own material, yeah. yeah. But I'm still doing project management training. So PMP is my, you know, PMP and discipline agile is my key training that I, I do. Um, and I'm I'm a PMI authorized trainer, so uh, thankfully PMI realized that, that they basically made it mandatory for trainers to be PMI authorized. So there's a certain you know, qualification you have to go through it. Yep. Otherwise, everybody was trying to do it, and you know the level, the quality was not good. But yeah, um, but yeah, it's good. So yeah, um, if anybody wants to do a certification course, you it's you need especially PMI uh, or any other organization, you need to go through a certain. A credential certification train the trainer kind of a thing uh, but if you want if you have industry experience uh, and if you want to run a training you know the sky's the limit just yeah need to build your brand <laughs> and 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 are your are your students in with proprac are they are they seasoned professionals or are they mostly new to the to the to the profession no, um, mix, mix. I sometimes get um, uh, fresh university graduates. Uh, uh, my last course that I uh, conducted in um, September was a uh, seasoned professional. Um, one, one of them was portfolio uh, portfolio analyst, probably a young, young candidate. Uh, and some of them had more than six years of experience and so on and so forth, some 10 years. Yeah, it, it varies. Um, the good thing, um, you know, 
there's always a silver lining, something for a COVID kind of a, uh, you know, before COVID, when I would reach out to overseas and I would say, you know, I can run a training, you know, you know, online training and say, no, no, we are not interested. Uh, you won't believe how many online trainings I've run in the last two years. I've lost, oh, really? I have lost count. <laughs> okay, well, that's, it's, it's a blessing in disguise, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and then I've run, done it for, um, you know, across the globe, right? So. Nice. Uh, for Middle East as well, for for Indian subcontinent, for uh, uh, Central Asia, you know, Australia, New Zealand. You know, my candidates are usually from Australia, and New Zealand. That's my main market. But you know, last course I had somebody was was in Russia, and there was one in Pakistan, and there was Middle East, and so on and so forth. So. Oh, excellent. Yeah, excellent. it's good. So I I know. I think I think we're we're, we're probably uh, close to time. I I, I know I dedicated. You know, 40, 40, 50 minutes. We're, we're we're well over that. So, what I will do is I'll I'll include um, the link to your to your site, etc., in the descriptions, etc. So, if sure. people want to reach out to you um, and or your course, you know, they can do that. Yeah. But I just want to say thank you so much um, for this chat. I think there's probably a lot of other things that we can maybe do a deep dive in subsequent dis uh, discussions if you want to come back. Um, but uh, yes, thank you, thank you so much for for your time. No, thank you very much, Faisal, for inviting me. Uh, I didn't even realize how long, how much time it's been. I enjoy talking. It just just shows you're a pretty good host, mate. Um, no, I'm happy to come anytime. Um, yeah, but uh, you look after yourself and good luck. No, awesome. Thank you. See you, mate.